All right, Justin, I hate to do it to you, but I have to. How about dim? Don't say it. Don't. Titans. Man, why did y'all do the, the Buffalo Bills like that? They were unbeaten, too. Yeah, I know. We treated the entire Buffalo Bills team like Derrick Henry treated jo- uh, treated Josh Norman. Oh, God, that's true. That that was a microcosm for what happened in that game. And I was like, wait a minute, but they're undefeated, too. Like, this shouldn't be this lopsided. And it just was. And y'all had disadvantages that the announcers just kept talking about. Oh, the conditions they were under, they didn't get to really practice or see each other. They had to do this and do that. Like the stuff that he was explaining that the team had to go through to get to that game was crazy. And then they just stomped Buffalo who I still think is a good team, but God, the gap is pretty damn wide, like grand Canyon wide. We didn't have two of our three starting off our defensive line. So two thirds of our starting defensive line were out. Uh, we didn't have our second and third wide receiver out. Uh, we didn't even have our long snapper. Actually, no, Bo might've been back by that game, but yeah, like we were missing so much shit and I'm not gonna lie. I was fully prepared for that just to be a loss. I was just fully prepared. We hadn't been able to practice. We hadn't been able to do shit. I was fully prepared to just take that loss because I thought even on a good week of us fully practicing, the Bills was going to be a tough game anyway. You know, I think I was thinking under normal conditions with our full team, the likelihood of us beating the Bills so far this season, I was like, man, that, you know, that's up in the air. That's going to be, if we beat them, it's going to be a tough fucking game. And then on top of that, then we had all this shit of not being able to practice for like 18 days. We had like three practices in 18 days. And I think that accounts that accounts for the illegal practice we had, like on top of that and like all this shit. And I was like, man, there's no way in hell we're beating them. And it was just a shellacking. I don't I don't use that much, but it was a shellacking. I'm really surprised, man. The Bills, I mean, they're a pretty balanced team. You know, they they've got good defensive players and they have a good offense. They're, they're just a very balanced team. And that just, I I was shocked that it was that lopsided of a victory. Like y'all must've just been salivating to just hurt someone. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you know, and I thought it it would be, I, I tried to be fair. I thought this would be the worst week to ask you the other question that I could have asked you. Yeah. That I knew you thought I was about to ask you. I did. I was like, how could you do this? No, it was that this was, yeah, this was not the week to do that. That would have been, that would have been cruel. You already had it tough. I wasn't going to lay it on like that. And so that concludes our four minute segment on football. (laughs) And I do have a song actually, Justin. So Justin, sing me a song from the eighties. That is nostalgically a hit and everybody loves it. But deep down in your heart of hearts, you know, sucks balls. Let's get physical, physical. Let's get physical, physical. There you go. All right, Dustin, that's a win for you. That's a win. You know that song. That, no that's good. a win. Come that's on. a win. I can't you know that's that not a, a song is no good. You, we not. all know it. It's not. <laughs> I can't deny it. 
You got me on that one. That was that was clean. <laughs> so Heather, the same one to you. What's an 80s song that everybody loves? It's nostalgic. It's a hit. It's amazing. Everybody loves it. But deep down, you know it sucks. Total Eclipse of the Heart. What the fuck? How do you not you love like that, that song? song? Whoa. I don't. It's boring. It's kind of boring. Total Eclipse of the Heart is boring? To me, yes. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Well, I clearly lost then. You did. You did. I was not ready for that. It's all right. It's kind of on par with my record right now anyway. Yeah, but that was a clean loss. All right. I mean, Justin, what do you think about her song choice? Man, I thought you were going to sing Love Shack or something like that. I was hoping that was was coming. Yeah, I would have accepted Love Shack. But Total Eclipse of the Heart? Did that- I mean, maybe it's just me, but I it's not it's not a jam of mine. Sorry. I mean, I think I think it is just you, like in the world. In the oh, world. <laughs> I mean, wow. That took me aback. That like, whoa, I'm shook after that. I'm not gonna lie. I was not prepared for that. Oh boy. Whew, that hurt a little bit. I didn't know you were such a big fan. How are you not? <laughs> like, that's the thing is, how are you not a fan of that song? Hmm. Of all the songs of the 80s to choose from, you went after that. Woo. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless. Man. Wow, Heather. I mean. I mean, I know I've man. had some controversial opinions on this show, but that takes the cake. I mean, of does all she... the things on the show, of all the things, that's yes. the most controversial thing that's ever been said. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then maybe that should be a win for me since I beat you out in controversial say, does things. She, does she deserve a win for flooring you like this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that was a TKO, but I, I mean, I'm wanting the rep to check her gloves for fucking lead or something. I want to make sure like they need to check that wrapping, make sure she did everything legit. Need to take a drug test, make sure she's not on those steroids. I mean, if I have to, I'll take the loss, but I'm going to fight it for a little bit. That was a deep cut, huh, for you. We're going to have to get the fight commissions on this one. Lots of stuff. All right, it looks like I'm going to have to do another poll to see if everyone agrees or not. Man, and now you said TKO, and now I'm thinking about that Timberlake song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not from the 80s, so you're fine. Yeah, I know, but still, now you got me thinking about it. Is it a weird time when you watch boxing or MMA that anytime somebody says TKO, you just start thinking, you know, Justin Timberlake in your head? TKO, TKO. That that song is tight, though. But anyway, not every time, but I don't know. It was something about the way you said it, man. It just, you said it in that perfect way that I think it happens on that. Uh, The way he says it, I don't know, something just triggered it. Maybe because we're thinking about songs. Who I was going to say, maybe it's because we're talking about music. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that is the most controversial thing ever said. I think that's more controversial than me not liking Avengers Endgame. Mm. That's, uh, I mean, oh. that's a deeper betrayal than the Channing Tatum debate. <laughs> oh. I mean, I don't feel betrayed by this one as much as I just feel bad for you for not liking that song. <laughs> oh, my. Like, just never in a million years was I expecting that song to be what you sang. Well, I'm sure there are others I dislike way more than that. But I had like a two minute like time frame to think of one. You. Yeah, I was going to say you had at least four. But no, you're right. We didn't talk about anything like that in the first four minutes. Oh, man. 
I am shook. I think that's more controversial than anything I'm going to say in this episode, especially. And if you can't tell, I don't like the movie we're talking about tonight. So we'll definitely see about that one. Let's cue the theme song. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are talking about a Cinefan Essential movie. This is one of the ones voted on by you guys as one of the 20 essential movies of your lists. And if I'm remembering correctly, this one had quite a few, like quite a high number of votes. I'm trying to go back to that specific list to look at it, but. Yes, this one had, yeah, this one was one of our most voted on movies. And, oh, I'm sorry, guys, you might hate me after this episode. But we are talking about the Cinefan Essential, The Goonies. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. And I'm just so happy because I get to start the dislikes in this one. Ha ha. Justin, what are your thoughts? Oh, let me say the rest of this. We will talk about a spoiler-free section, then we will give our recommendations and scores. And then we will go into a more spoiler-centric section with a time code in the description saying when we start that. Now, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on The Goonies? All right. So, man, it's just very interesting to go back and watch something like this because I haven't seen The Goonies since I was really a little kid I, I you know it used to come on all the time you would watch it all the t- we would watch it quite a bit my brother and I growing up and then you know you just you, you grow up and it's just not it is never was one that I went back to and uh visited revisited once I got to a certain age so it's interesting going back now and just uh, and seeing all the things you appreciate, seeing all the things that don't age well, and then seeing all the things that are ridiculous. But um, but overall, I still walked away liking this. I still enjoyed going back watching this. There is something very nostalgic about this. Um, the Goonies like to say you can't, you know, the, the Goonies never die. Um, and I mean, sometimes, <laughs> you know, they say you can't kill a legend. And I think that th- th- that is true. You, you can't kill a-, a-, a movie like this will never die in fans minds because there's just something about that. Just it's Indiana Jones with kids that that's really honestly w- what this is. And instead of Nazis, you have um escaped convicts and and it, and if you could separate Indiana Jones into about six or seven kids that's essentially what you have here so it, th- that's what this is and and so and really i mean that's really the heart of it simple plot um and everything like that i think the first part of it and we'll get into things more specifically, but the first part of it, I think, is the 
worst part of it i think i think that you know at the 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 beginning of the movie is just a lot of kids yelling at each other and as an adult you're watching this and you're just going okay you know i know what this character is okay i get it i know okay this one is fat okay this one (laughs) has gadgets you know you that's kind of how you are now watching it as an adult but once the adventure starts that's really where the magic of this movie is. Once the once we get the treasure map and we're on the adventure, th- th- you you understand again why this is special. And the best thing about this is the soundtrack. Definitely the the musical scores when certain action sequences and things like that are happening. It's still just wonderful eighties music you know i mean there's just something about those themes like like the opening chase you know like i mean it just i mean right when it started i just became a kid again like the moment i I heard those themes and i started humming along because i started remembering them and then i walked away from this like the best thing about this is the music. It's not anything that happened. It's the the music is what really just makes each one of those scenes. So yeah, uh, overall though, I, I did I did walk away liking this. Not as much as I did when I was a kid. Definitely not. Oh, and the ending. Oh my God, there are problems that I had with the ending of this, which we'll get into more specifically. But uh yeah oh but overall it was a fun nostalgic ride man and i enjoy uh the the chemistry of the kids i think that something about that group of kids worked whether it was data or uh chung um or any of them i just something about those kids together acting in those scenes it does work there is um you feel the friendship that they all have and the camaraderie and when they all go on the event the way they react and play off of each other is really the best, um, one of the best aspects of the film. So overall, I still I still enjoyed this a lot. Heather, what about you? So for me, I feel a little differently on this one. I might lean more in the Sterling camp on this one. Um, just because for me, it was never a movie, even as a kid, that I was just like, I love this movie. It was always fine, and it was a movie that I had seen a couple of times just, you know, growing up in the time period that I did, but it was never one that stuck out stuck out to me. It was never one that I always, like, associate with my childhood specifically or um, anything like that for me. So maybe because on my end, I didn't find it as relatable, I didn't have a lot of nostalgia with it or anything like that. I'm just kind of really iffy on this movie because it's, I get it for the time it was made. Um, I get and understand why people like it. I, I don't think anyone's like insane for why they have like this, like nostalgic love for the movie. If that's your thing, if this type of movie is your thing, but for me, I mean, I know it was like an adventure movie and it was about kids. So it would have been, you know, when I was watching it, it would have been kids more around my age. So it's something I probably should have liked more than I did, but it just never really 
resonated with me and never really stuck out for me as a movie that I was like, oh, it's a must see. So for me, I've always just been very iffy on this one. I've always just been like, I could take it or leave it or anything like that. So um, I do feel a little differently than Jason does on this one. It is, um, I, I think I, a lot of it is most of the characters in this movie seem to be very annoying <laughs> and I get that they're kids. So they're going to have like, kind of like Jason was saying with all the yelling and all that stuff, there's going to be that because they're kids. But I really don't like, I don't feel like a lot of progression of the kids characters really developed that much throughout the movie. And maybe I just didn't see it. Maybe they did. Maybe because I kind of went into it already kind of having a very like iffy, meh sort of mindset on it. I didn't notice it. Um, but it just it just felt very um, one layered type of movie with the characters in it. And none of them for me, I felt like I really related to or anything. So it just never really it wasn't really ever my thing. Um it's not like a bad movie. And like I said, I get it's like an adventure. It's like an Indiana Jones for kids type of thing. I totally get that. I get the appeal of that and why people like it. But I had too many things in it that I didn't like. I think it just because it was a little, I would say maybe slow for me. Like I didn't really like how it was paced because it felt very long to me. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I understand the appeal. It's just not in my wheelhouse of things that I enjoy as much as others. I'll probably get flack for this and that's fine, but um, it's only okay. It's it's down the middle. It's fine, uh, but it's not like a favorite of mine. I do think it's funny that both of you guys have, have brought up nostalgia with this movie. And I, I guess I do agree with both of you that if you have the right nostalgia, you probably like this movie. My problem with that is, is that this movie really only works if you liked it when you were a kid. Because if you didn't like it when you were a kid, like yours truly, this movie doesn't get any better. It definitely gets a lot worse, though. I do agree with Justin that there's something about these kids as a group. And to me, that was the only thing and more annoying than the individual children were the children as a group. I don't like any of their dynamics. I don't like any of the action set pieces. I don't like any of the story. I don't like any of the characters. Uh, I don't like anything really about this movie. I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, Justin, that maybe the, the music is the, the best thing in this movie. And I think that just having a movie that's surrounded, you know, it's, it's essentially a bunch of shit with a decent soundtrack. I mean... The thing I like the most about musical scores is when they add to what you're watching. They enhance it. You know, if it's a tension-filled scene, the music adds tension. If it's a happy scene, the music adds that levity. If, you know, something like that, if it's a depressing scene, it kind of brings you down even more. My problem with this movie is while the, the music does enhance the scenes, it's enhancing nothing. Like, it's enhancing garbage. And my cat agrees with me. I mean, and he, his first time watching it was last night. He's a young little one. But I mean, I just, there's nothing in this movie that I really ever enjoyed. And I do agree with you, Justin. It is Indiana Jones for children. 
if Indiana Jones was garbage, if Indiana Jones, the crystal skull was actually the first Indiana Jones movie, then I would agree with you. This is Indiana Jones for children, but I don't, I, I just, I, I get that to me, I get that that's what it's supposed to be, but I just don't think if you don't connect with any of it, I think it doesn't become that ever comes close to it at all. I, I mean, I have serious issues with everything. And I know I understand it's a family movie. It's a kid's movie. Some of these aspects in this, in this movie are completely overly simplified just to make this ridiculous ass movie work. But once again, like I said, if you don't buy into any of it, those, those concessions that you make watching the movie to, you know, to mentally allow it, you know, to go from point A to point B, you know, if you sit there and you accept the fact of where they find the treasure map and you accept the fact of where the, the trail starts for them. If you accept those things, I could see where you could plausibly get through the rest of the movie unbothered. But if you don't make any connections with these kids or these people or anything like that, then it doesn't, those logical steps you have to take or those logical forgivenesses you have to make with this movie don't really work for me. Plus I kind of hate how they said the name of the movie 90,000 billion trillion times in this movie because they are goonies which I don't know, apparently is people that live in the boonies of this one area, essentially what they're kind of referring to ish, maybe something. I don't know. I didn't care because it was annoying and dumb. I just found myself at one point kind of wishing that all those kids got trapped in one of those traps and the movie would end. Like I found myself wishing that for a lot of this movie. And that's a bad thing to feel. Nobody should be watching a movie a children's movie nonetheless and deep down inside you're wishing the children characters died <laughs> yet that's what i felt i mean i know a lot of people like this movie but i was just never one of them and you know if you like i said if you don't latch on to this movie as a kid i don't know anyone that could watch this movie as an adult even if it's for the first time ever i don't see how anyone could watch this movie as an adult and like it because outside of of that nostalgic connection to this movie i don't see how anybody would think this is plausibly an okay movie to watch i mean i'm not gonna lie i was truly jealous of that guy and this is a slight spoiler i don't care of the guy that was they find dead and frozen in the freezer i was so jealous of that guy because his goonies movie experience was over at that point and I still had most of the movie left to go. All right, recommendations and scores. I got really weirdly somber in my tone with that. I don't know why. I think it's because that that like that's how little fun I have with this movie. Is it just makes me somber? Uh, yeah. Recommendations and scores. Heather, go. I agree a lot with Sterling on that sentiment. I feel like if you didn't really care for it when you were younger, you're gonna have a hard time really caring too much about it now, which is the case for me. So I don't specifically say I recommend it because it, like I said before, it's not really a favorite of mine, but if it was one that you enjoyed as a kid and you want to just revisit that fun that you had with this movie as a kid, sure, go ahead and watch it. I don't think, yeah, I I don't necessarily recommend it if it's a first time watch and you're an adult, 
But if it's one that you just want to, you know, reminisce on your childhood and just kind of look back on movies that you loved as a kid, sure. But I can't strongly say that personally I would recommend it. So that's where I sit with it. Uh, I'll probably give this um, like a little less than half, probably. I'll give it um, 48 um, kids going on a treasure hunt out of 100. That was the most basic score I think you've ever done. <laughs> I know. And that's how very hunts. much I don't really care for this movie. <laughs> what about you, Justin? Cool. So, um, so yeah, if you're somebody who is, I mean, this is a cult classic. So, I mean, obviously, it, you know, it's hard to believe that we're talking to people who haven't seen this. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is like just one of those movies that this, this is, you know, this, the Sandlot, uh, you know, there are these kind of American family classic movies that are just kind of th th that's where they are they're just in the annals of time as these there are these 80s classic movies and it's funny because it's really movies like this that pave the way for something uh like the, for for a lot of the movies that we have now that pay homage to 80s style and 80s movies and uh, different things like that. So I think that um, especially if you're kind of that historian kind of person and you don't know about these kinds of movies and you kind of want to know where these ideas come from, like the, this idea of these kids and they go on this adventure and stuff like that. Well, these are, this is one of those benchmark movies for that. So, uh, so I think, um, you know, especially like if you're a fan of something of today, like Stranger Things, well, Stranger Things, I mean, I think uh, it was, uh, oh, my God, the MCU actor during an interview uh, famously said that the Stranger Things is just the Goonies. And there's a reason why he said that. You know, this is the movie that is kind of a blueprint for things like that. So if you're kind of a historian buff kind of person like that, and you kind of want to know where a lot of these original ideas, thoughts, and things come from, this would be good to watch so you understand how we got to movies like that. Or how we got the shows like Stranger Things. The, the, this is what inspired those kinds of things. Uh, it, you know, so I think there's that. If you're somebody who has kids, uh, this would be a great watch with your kids. Like for, for you to go, hey, you know, uh, one of the things I know that just parents like to do is say, hey, this is a little bit of my childhood. And they like to share their childhood with their kids. You know, you let your little kid play Super Mario Brothers. Th th that's what this is. You know, you let your kids watch the Goonies. You know, this is what it is. So they understand what you grew up with. So I think for those things, it still really has uh, 
those it'll always have those intrinsic values and i mean this is not and, and i mean i mean contrary to my colleagues i just don't think this is a bad movie man it's very spielbergian in, in in how it tells the story and like i said it literally is just an indiana jones adventure you find a map you you go on a treasure hunt and you you learn something along the way and you make you know things happen along the way on this treasure hunt. It doesn't really get anything outside of that. And I still think that some of the effects, uh, some of the, the, the set pieces, uh, during the treasure hunt, the ships, the, you know, there are still things about this that I do find memorable and enjoyable. Uh, so I can recommend it. I think uh, it's a cult classic for a reason. And after watching it, I still understand why it is that. So yeah, I'll recommend it. Uh, we'll go with uh, 70, um, 70 slods ripping off his shirt to reveal his uh, iconic Superman get up. Uh, shirt get up and yelling hey, you guys out of a hundred I do get what you're saying Justin I and I I do agree that this is a cult classic at the true sense of the word this is a cult movie this is a movie that people love that people watch they think of it fondly but ultimately it is just Kool-Aid that kills you I 100% agree with you Justin I mean, that's just honestly, and that's how I feel sometimes when I do talk to people about the Goonies, because I don't like this movie. I have never really liked this movie. It's not something I want to watch. Or I want to think about it. It's, it's none of those things. And I, so many people just love this movie. And when I talk to people about the Goonies, I do feel like I'm just a normal person, like talking to a cult member. Like that's how I feel. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, Justin. This is a cult movie. It is a classic example of a cult movie. That's the only way I will use those words in the same sentence referring to this. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I honestly do feel that so much of this movie is wrapped up in nostalgia. I think that this is weirdly like space jam that if you, you know that it, it, it gets by on nostalgia and I mean, I sure I agree that stranger things is, you know, the Goonies, if it had better characters and better acting and a better story and better directing and just better everything. Sure. It's the same. I mean, I just feel like I could say that about anything, you know, like you could say something like Terminator three is just as good as Terminator two, you know, it just with worse acting and worse story and worse action and worse special effects and worse everything else. But they're the same. I mean, that argument is so easy to make with anything as long as you give the like, you know, the the disclaimers on it. I mean, I just like it was so weird. Like typically when you have like, say, a movie set piece that has a, a big monster in it, you're never really supposed to root for the monster outside of like a few franchises here and there that are built a, 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 around the monster, i.e. like a King Kong or a Godzilla, something of the like. God, I wish that fucking octopus squid thing killed them. There's just so many. I was rooting for that. Like, I'm just sitting there and I know the movie. I knew everything in it. And I am just rooting for all the traps, rooting for them actively. 
like in my mind that I could influence this movie somehow through the space time continuum and the children would die and my movie would end and I just get to go back and on living my life, but it doesn't happen. And then it gets to the end, which even you said, Justin, I know we haven't gotten into it specifically is a whole heap of problems. So it's just one of those things that this movie crescendos into to worseness for me. Oh man, I've got nothing else to say at this point. Um, I give I give it zero. Hey, don't fucking bite my headphones, asshole. Yeah, so I give it zero. Don't bite my fucking headphones, asshole. Out of a hundred. Sorry, my cat attacked me in the middle of that. But I'm just gonna roll. Stop it. So are we on to spoilers now. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, my key will be a good boy. Good boy. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So spoilers. Um, son of a bitch. Sorry. My cat's going ape shit over here. All right. Um, no, yeah, truly, I was rooting for those fucking kids to die. At like almost every point in turn in this movie. At one point, she says, I can't tell if this is A sharp or B flat. You know what the problem with that is? That's the same note. And to me, that was the perfect like culmination scene for this whole movie. I can't tell if it's A sharp or B flat when they're the same. <laughs> this movie is just so fucking <laughs> dumb. That it, it's that shit. It's that. It's like, I can't tell if this is a good scene or a bad scene. Well, no, it's fucking, it's the same. It's the same scene. It's fucking, like, it's it's that. It's fucking insanity. Like, how the fuck is the start of this, what, what isn't it like 1638, something like that? When was the fucking, yeah, it was 1600s was when all yeah. that shit, yeah, right? <laughs> 1600s. How the fuck was the start of that? In the fucking fireplace of a fucking restaurant. How? Like, how, how? And, like, they built the piping for the country club through one of those tunnels. And somehow, just nothing. No one no one has any idea this is there. It is fucking bonkers. From the beginning. <laughs> like, I forgot that. I, I mean, I truly, I forgot that it starts in a restaurant. And so that scene, whenever Mikey's holding up that little thing and he's like, oh, look, the, the, the mountain, the lighthouse and the restaurant form a perfect pattern in this. How does the restaurant fit perfectly into it? How? It's a restaurant. It was not there in the 1600s. So how does the restaurant shape figure 100% into that little cipher key thing? I would understand the location it could point to. No, no, no. The restaurant itself fits perfectly into it. What the fuck? And someone planned it too when they were building that restaurant. They went, man, this fireplace down here. Which also, why, why is the fireplace like weirdly in the basement in that weird like room of all places where people aren't normally going to be in a restaurant? Why is the fireplace there anyway? Th they built it as a tunnel entrance. So that means somebody's building this restaurant and goes, fuck, there's a secret tunnel here. I don't, I don't feel like going down this and figuring out what this is, but I'll make sure if anybody else needs to come along and find this, I'll make sure they can find it. Like, what the fuck? It's just a restaurant. It would have made more sense if that was in the lighthouse or something. Because, I, I, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't expect a lighthouse to last 300 and something years, but... For shits and giggles, let's say a lighthouse does. You know what I mean? 
that would be more understandable as something historic, not a restaurant. And then on top of that, One-Eyed Willie, this, this whole thing posits that One-Eyed Willie creates this map and in doing so, reverse engineers all these booby traps. Like he's going through the tunnel backwards. I mean, I guess he'd be starting at, you know, like at essentially the restaurant and building this tunnel that way, building each trap as he goes all the way to his ship that is like in, encased in a cave. And maybe I wasn't paying attention, but did they say how his stu- like how his ship got stuck there? I don't remember if they said. I don't think they did. I know they were I don't talking think about. They did I know they were the, talking the about how he would, went into oh. the cave to to escape the people? But how did he get stuck? Yeah, it didn't say whether he got stuck or he was just there and died or. It it doesn't really. All it says is that he just they he made his way into the cave and wound up also killing his men because he didn't want anybody to have his treasure or something like that. He was that greedy, Mister One Eye Willie. But I think that was all we got. Yeah, uh, I don't think it ever said he got stuck or anything like that. So he kills his men. He gets stuck. So how did he know where to draw the map to? And to build his traps to, to that cave that he got stuck in and died. Like that makes no sense. It would make sense if like there was just like a little thing there and they found all the treasure, but no, his ship with him and all his dead crew were in there. So that means that he went, ah, shit, my ship's stuck in here. Let me reverse engineer a map and treasures or like a map and traps to the area my ship is stuck in. But let me also leave this map on the outside with this little thing that points to the beginning. And then I'm going to go back in there and die with my ship. Like, fuck off. That's so dumb. And then, like, how did he know his little squid thing was going to be alive still? Like, that's 300 years. How's it still alive? I mean, I understand there's, like, giant squids. And maybe they do live that long. Who knows? But how did he, like, if it was a giant squid and it was going to live that long, how did he know it was going to live that long there? Because he couldn't have caught it when it was big. It'd be too big. But then on top of that, what was it eating? To stay that big and grown. I know I shouldn't think of these things because it is a kid's movie, but it still makes no sense to me. Also, why at the end of the movie did those kids just let that ship float away? Like, the the whole point was to get the money off of it. What did they call it? The rich stuff? Rich things or whatever? What did they call it? The rich stuff. Fuck off. That is so dumb, too. Like, I understand that they're trying to, like, do, like, oh, this is, like, goony kid lingo. They're not going to say rich stuff. They're going to say fucking gold. They're going to say treasure. They're going to say rich stuff. What kind of garbage-ass bullshit is that? And, like, it's just the whole idea that these kids were, like, no, oh, we're goonies, and we stick to, I, I, to me, that was so fucking annoying. That kid, Mikey, was the most annoying character of all of them. Like, it would... I should understand how this kid feels because I fuck up words on a constant basis. It's what I do. You know what? At this point, I'm proud of it. I own it. It's it's me. But he like fucking didn't know the most basic ass fucking words ever. And he's just like fucking him up. And when his brother's correct, he's like, that's what I'm saying. You interrupted me though. Like, what is that? It's fucking annoying. And like, he's just sitting there putting everybody's lives on the line. Cause he's like, well, we gotta get to go to see my house. Fuck all your other, like, fuck all your houses. 
Like he cares about his. And I know he like sits there and tries to pull that bullshit of like, but guys, if we move them, we'll be split up and you'll be sad. So we're doing this for you too. Or like, oh, like they always look down on the Goonies. Now they won't look down on us. What happened at the end of the movie? He only got his shit. All he cared about. Get, fuck all his friends. He's a shitty friend. He's a shitty kid. And he's annoying. And he's kind of a sex pest for like macking on his like brother's girlfriend and not telling her. Come on. It's that fucking 80s bullshit. Fuck this movie. <laughs> like, honestly, what I hope is that that rich guy takes his boat because, you know, he's rich enough to have a boat, goes out to that other ship, gets all that gold and buys the town and fucking burns all their houses down. That's what I hope is the secret end of that movie. Oh so boy. they just let the fucking ship float off and anybody that comes across it gets all the rest of it. I hope it's the rich guy. Like, that's my fucking goal. Like, that's my dream is that the Goonies were burned down by that rich guy because he went and got all the rest of the money off that ship. Like that, and that's like was so dumb about it too. Is they're just like, oh, and all the adults, and that's what I guess also pisses me off is that all the adults are just standing there on that fucking beach watching a fucking pirate ship just mindlessly sell off into the ocean. How fucking dangerous is that? Like, what if you've got a bunch of fishermen on a dock, like bringing in their shit, and this fucking pirate ship just comes and slams in and kills them? That is just drastically irresponsible and these adults are just staring at it like oh that's so crazy it's a pirate ship what the fuck is wrong with these adults in this fucking town and like how did those bad guys get away from the cops like there's like five roads in that town how did they lose them and end up like all the way over there right there was some sort of beach race or something that was happening oh yeah that's right along the beach and they like blended in with a bunch of these cars and, yes. and lost them in that yes. race or something. You were 100% right on that, Justin. I just, I'm sorry. I block out bullshit, <laughs> but you, you are 100% right. Justin. I, I just forgot about that. Um, I just, uh, and like, how did chunk and sloth catch up to him? Like, how did they catch up to everybody with all the fucking traps and all the other shit like that's happening. How did they fucking make it like catch up to him and shit? Like, I still don't even really understand how the adults made it there and all that other shit. Like, it's just, ugh. and like, oh, the whole walking the plank thing oh, and that fucking annoying ass girl too. She was just like, oh, the scariest thing was walking the plank. Why? Why? You already swam to the boat there in that water. You knew you could swim in that water. And she's like, you can't swim with your arms tied. No, people do it all the fucking time. Like it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, Oh, Oh no, I can't go into the water. I've already swam in. Oh no. Like what kind of dumb shit is that? And like, why would the, the, the bad guys even do that? Like, Oh, you're all going to walk the plank. It's not the fucking ocean. That's what makes walking the plank scary is you walk the plank into the ocean. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but here's a little secret. The ocean's really fucking big. <laughs> and so that's what makes like walking the plank scary is you're just dropped off in the ocean by yourself. You know what's not scary? Essentially getting walked off the plank into a swimming pool that you've already been swimming in. It's like you just went and did some laps in the swimming pool and went, oh no, I can't jump off the high dive in this pool. I don't know if I'll be able to swim in it. Like, it's that logic. It was dumb. And the fact that the adults were like, oh, we're going to make them walk the plank. Fuck off. It was dumb. 
I just feel like this whole movie, like, oh, and was, I guess that, that that's what's so annoying is that it's like, oh, look at these kids. These kids were able to make it past all these traps that all these adults couldn't make it past. But that Mr. Like, what's his name? Copper pot or whatever. When they find his skeleton, like in the middle of that path and shit, what did he die from? Like, what trap did he get stuck in? Because, like, were these traps resetting themselves? Did he step on that pull string and get crushed by a rock? Which also, that's the stupidest place to have the pull string. They had the pull string at the end of the path that then starts the rocks from falling at the beginning of the path. So that once you trip on that pull string, all you got to do is walk like three feet more in the next like seven minutes that it took for those rocks to fall. And, and so are, are we supposed to believe that that's what killed that guy? Because one of the rocks does fall on a skeleton, but no, the traps don't reset because the, when the adults came, the traps were the, the, the rocks were still in the place. So the traps don't reset. So why the fuck was this guy just dead in the middle of that tunnel with no actual traps or anything around him? Like, like activated. It really was that this adult just was walking down this tunnel and just stopped in the middle of it and went, you know what? Gone far enough and just lay down and died. Right. Just so somebody could come find the key from him later. And it's not like he could have been like lost in those tunnels and all this other stuff. The kids made it to that point in like an hour and a half from the start of their journey. Like this whole thing takes place in the span of what, a night? And they get there in like an hour and a half into their journey. So it's not even like you can argue like, oh, he'd been down there for months and he succumbed to like exhaustion and all this other stuff. Nah, he'd just been walking for like 30 minutes at that point because he's an adult and not a child. So he probably worked for like walked for 30 minutes and then just lied down on the ground and went, you know what? This is a good place to die. Fuck what I was doing. And just laid there and peacefully died. <laughs> like, and I get it. Like I said, this is a kid's movie. But if you don't like this, this, this movie truly hinges on you getting attached to these characters at the very beginning. If you don't get attached to them in the first like five minutes of this movie, I don't see where in this movie you're supposed to get attached to them because it's surely not on their journey because they are the most annoying people in the history of existence at that point. You know that scene in Dumb and Dumber when Harry and Lloyd are like, no, this is the most annoying noise in the world and they're both in that screeching noise in that guy's ears? Yeah. This is the movie equivalent of that noise. (laughs) Or at least those kids are. So I just don't know when you're supposed to actually develop that bond with the kids and since i can't develop a bond with anybody in five minutes i'm sure as fuck not going to do it with this movie because i don't know another scene in this movie where you're supposed to i don't know i'm done who's next is it justin no wait it's not justin it's heather wait is it home since the problem with having three segments is then like it goes back to the first i guess it's heather no is it justin i don't know fucking one of you guys go i don't fucking remember any of my like things with this anymore you guys have just been going first on the spoiler <laughs> section and it's just throwing me off my game. I don't know what's up and up and down, left, right. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. Why don't you motherfuckers speak now? Okay. Well, I just because I don't feel like I have a whole lot more to add than what was already said from Sterling's segment. Um, I'll just, I'll go ahead and do mine really quick. Um, I think that the whole not having a bond with the kids is probably the problem that I most have with this movie because like I was saying earlier I don't really feel like I relate to any of them and you're right I think that most of these characters are just 
really irritating. <laughs> Mikey, actually, I didn't have that much of a problem with. Uh, Mikey and his brother, um, who plays jo- who Josh Brolin play- plays, I don't really mind them as much as the others for the most part, especially uh, Josh Brolin's girlfriend. She was probably the most annoying of all of them. Like, I know she was supposed to be the damsel in distress and all of this, but she was just far and beyond. Like, everything that she did was just like, she was whining about everything. (laughs) And that just really bothered me. And I was just like, the whole time, I'm like, what do either of these guys see in her? Like, she's just annoying. Like, that was kind of my thoughts the whole time. Um, But... It just, you know, and then Chunk was fine. I liked Chunk okay. Um, it, the only time I didn't really care for him was when he was, like, when he first got captured and then he was, like, confessing everything to the villains and he was just nonstop, like, going and just wouldn't stop. And that was kind of annoying. But otherwise, I liked Chunk. Um, but, yeah, it just, it really is just more of, like, all the kids. I'm like, okay, they're cool. And Data was good. Like, he was... He actually might be the least annoying just because he probably talked less than the others. <laughs> but he was like he was cool though because he had like those inventions and stuff and that, you know, and I see that that was intentional because it helped them sort of get away and be able to not get caught so many times and things like that. But um for the most part, yeah, I just I didn't really feel like I either related to or sympathize with any of the kids really. So I think that was the reason I didn't really have a connection with this movie growing up. And I think that that's just probably part of the story they should have developed a little bit better. I don't have a problem with the story that they were telling because I do, I I can forgive, you know, the fact that it's obviously supposed to be for kids to enjoy more so than the adults. Um, I feel like that's kind of what it was geared towards. So the storyline and, you know, their little adventure and their hunt that they're going on. I didn't mind that part of it. It was just more of, I think maybe the reason I feel like the movie went slower is because a lot of it was just these kids talking over each other and trying to outdo each other. And just like, Sterling said, kind of being annoying for a lot of the time. Um, But again, I know they're kids. So that's kind of that's supposed to be like the appeal and the charm of of them, the endearingness of them because they're kids. But it just didn't really work the way I I think they had hoped it would, at least in my opinion. Um, But yeah, so really the only more tolerable ones were Josh Brolin and Sean Astin and Data. <laughs> Those were the only ones that I was like, Meh, all right. I do think it was a bummer that Chunk sort of missed most of that adventure because he kind of got captured and kind of went off and did his own thing. Um, but, you know, I see at the end there, he was kind of there to help rescue them at the end and kind of gave him a little bit of a redemption, which was a good part of it because you know, he was the one they always picked on. And I think that's another thing too, is I get that they're like a group of friends and a group of guys that kind of do like some rough housing and all of that. But I just really, I never really like it when I feel like friends are like fat shaming their other friends, you know, like they were really mean to Chunk, at least mouth was like, he was really mean to him. And I just never really liked that. 
when it was like the friends that would make fun of the others for being fat or whatever, it always just bothered me, even when they were kids. And obviously kids aren't going to really know better at the time or whatever, but it just, I never really cared for that. So yeah, that was kind of another thing that bothered me about it. But yeah, honestly, it really was just, there was potential there to make the dynamics between them better. But I feel like they spent a lot of time building up that kind of like Jason was saying, where they're yelling at each other and they're just, you're trying to prove that they know each other well and that they're good friends. And so that's just their dynamics together is just them yelling and doing each other and just being boys, you know, but I think they spent a little too much time on that instead of actually building these character developments in these kids throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just kind of an iffy thing for me. And yeah, so I really just kind of wanted to add what Sterling said, because that was most of my issues I had with the movie, too. And um, also, the yeah, the whole thing about <laughs> um, Mikey, you know, in the dark kissing the girl that his brother was dating. I'm just like, there is no way that she's not going to know that that's not Josh Brolin. Like that kid was how much shorter and the braces and like, it's just, there's no way she wouldn't have known. So I was just like, that's really stupid. But <laughs> it just was like super weird. But yeah, I think um, that honestly, I do feel like if they had built a little bit more character development between the characters and their friendship, I feel like that would have made the movie a little bit better for me. So that's, that's the only other thing I wanted to add. All right, Justin, your turn. Okay, cool. Um, as far as I'm concerned, like, uh, I think that th at the beginning, I just think that what it needed probably is, or at least at points in the um, movie. Uh, yeah, I get what you guys are saying about the character development. I mean, now, I, I think that... Uh, the 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 thing that also must be considered though before i go into that is that you know being that this is a movie for kids you know characterizations are going to be simpler you know they're going to be simpler for kids to follow and i just think that nowadays they do a better job with kind of movies like this, you know, like or or things like this. You know, I think that the the reason why something like Stranger Things is material, just besides the obvious reason, it's longer, you have more development, stuff like that. But, you know, th they just write kids better now in these kinds of movies you know that is just uh, you know just like special effects are are better now in a lot of ways with what we can do with computer graphics it's it's kind of just the natural progression of things so at the beginning of this i get what the mode must have been for the time that this was released okay we just need to quickly show you what kind of Every kid is. So you've got this one. He's the level headed one. This one is the clumsy kind of fat one. He's the one that people pick on. This is the, the this is the smart one. His idol is James Bond. So he has inventions and uh, little things like that. But, you know, sometimes a lot of times it's like Inspector Gadget type stuff. The inventions go wrong and stuff like that. But, you know, he's going to find some usefulness in it. And 
And then you got the big brother who uh, is crushing on the girl. You know, all of these are tropes that you see in a lot of these 80s movies and stuff like that in a lot of movies growing up. They're just simplified you know, so that a kid can keep up and follow these. So I think it, it, while it was successful at giving you that, because a, because you can understand what every kid is right at the beginning of it. So that it did successfully. My issue was that it was just a little too long of doing that. I think they established the kids and then it kept going. And then there was kind of the gag with the statue and the broke statue. And then we have to, Oh no, what do we do? And then we fix it, glue it, it glue it the wrong way. And I, you know, I felt like that lasted a little long. Uh, I felt like they had already accomplished what they needed to. And so what would have better served those scenes is if we would have got two of them talking about something or remember when we first formed the Goonies, you know, you needed to understand you, you got that they were a group, that they were these band of boys. You got kind of the individual character traits of each one, but it would have been cool to have found out how it started, why that they had this relationship with each other. And if the movie was made nowadays, I think you would have those scenes. You would have scenes in between where you get to see how characters met or how characters got to know each other or two of them would be trapped somewhere and they talk about how the Goonies were formed. You know, nowadays you would see that. Back then, though, they just gave you the bare bones. Okay, here's the bare bones. Now let's get going on the adventure. That That's kind of the approach that this movie took. So I, I get what they were trying to do. But for me, I think you, you would have been better served to have had a couple of uh, scenes like that. And then a lot of the camaraderie they showed was just a bunch of wisecracking to each other. You know, it was a bunch of wisecracks back and forth, kids yelling and stuff like that. And at first you're like, okay, I get it. I get who they are. But after a while you're like, okay, um, let's change the tone here. And they never did. So I think what we needed was a change in tone. And maybe they thought they did that whenever the danger is introduced and you find out that the house is going to be foreclosed and they're worried about the fact that they're not going to be seeing each other again so I get what the movie was going for but because it was so simplistic at the beginning and you didn't get a sense for how important this group was to everybody so maybe that didn't land as well whenever they're like oh no we're in danger and you know uh, once this house gets foreclosed we're going to have to move away and we're going to be you know maybe that didn't come across because it was so simplistic at the beginning but it's kind of a catch 22. You know, if you do that, will the kids be, will kids be able to follow it? If you, you know, if you do that and if you don't do it, then this is kind of what 
you get. So I, I kind of get both of those. Uh, I thought the opening scene was was very exciting. I thought that was actually kind of cool. And I had forgotten a lot of those details. I forgot about the fake suicide and the getaway. And like I said, the music really enhances a lot of these scenes. Like I talked about the opening chase and all of that. And I think I thought that that was energetic and it was fun. And when I'm watching this, I'm trying to also just imagine what I must have been enjoying about it as a kid. And I thought that was, it was exciting. And the music really added to that. And it just started the film. I thought that was an effective attention grabber. And like I said, uh, the, the beginning struggles a bit, but I think once it gets on the adventure and again, uh, some of the details you guys are talking about with the, with the treasure hunt and Cobblepot, the original treasure hunter, you know, the, this is just all simplified Indiana Jones stuff. You go in there and the original explorer or some of the original people that were down there are killed by traps. Indiana Jones. The only difference here is that I get what Sterling is saying. It was simplified. So you didn't understand how he got trapped under that rock or was it a different trap or was it a, you know, and I mean, they had to, they simplified it. So you're probably just not going to get as an elaborate explanation as you would get in an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Data is my favorite character. I, I really li- I liked him when I was a kid because I just thought that his inventions were cool. And I was a big uh, Inspector Gadget mark growing up. And I mean, let's just be honest here. The demographic for this is young kid. You know, this is young boys. You know, that's kind of the crux of what this uh, of the demographic that they're they're aiming this at. So for me, I just thought he was so cool because he had all those inventions and I just thought that that was cool. And some of this is straight up 80s gag stuff, you know, the the boxing glove it, uh, that that is connected to springs. That is straight out of some Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny. You know, that th- that's what that is. Or the the teeth, the the um the plastic teeth that clamp onto everything and somehow clamped and saved him from spikes when you know that that shit would have just gave away and he would have died you know this is i mean obviously it's dumb but this is bugs bunny cartoon type of stuff you will see the same type of gags in that kind of stuff so you know if you know where this stuff comes from and you grew up with that stuff you know exactly uh what they were going for. Um, but I liked some of the, the traps. I liked some of that stuff. I liked the clues and how the, you know, he was uncovering, uh, what, what clue to go to next and stuff like that. And some of those scenes and the way that they set up the scenes, I thought that, that they were very visually appealing and it's, it would have especially been visually appealing if you were a kid, like the whole musical thing. And you have to, to hit that that whole setup looked really cool I thought even now I was like man that looks really cool like all the different bones set up the skull in the middle and you got to hit the right notes or parts of the floor fall it's a neat it's you know for a kid's adventure movie it was a neat concept I, I thought it was 
I thought that still was kind of cool. Or whenever they go down the slide and they're all sliding and it's doing that, dun, 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 you know, that music and they're all sliding through and the music is intensifying and there's water and all of that. I mean, this is just fun, kids, exciting stuff. And I didn't overanalyze it or try or let it penetrate my soul with how illogical it was. I just was like, okay, you know, I'm just like, yeah, it's just dumb kid fun. And then the one eyed Willie, uh, treasure at the end. I-, I thought that was cool that there was this pirate ship down there and that they, they go into, they, they go through all these traps and then they actually find the pirate ship and there's all this treasure and all of that stuff. So, I mean, you know, for a kid, you know, this, the appeal of this was that it just captured your imagination as a kid. You know, you're on this adventure, you find all this cool stuff, you find a pirate ship with treasure. All of that is just for a kid would be very imaginative and fun. And then uh, the sloth character and the chunk relationship. Chunk was another favorite character of mine. And yeah, I did like how he had that arc of he was kind of the kluds and the one who uh, that that the other kids kind of made fun of. And he didn't seem very useful and stuff like that. But ultimately, he forms a bond with the most useful person in the movie he ultimately winds up saving his friends so I thought that that was a decent art for him I like the relationship that he had with Sloth and Sloth is just kind of one of those memorable iconic characters you know like the the contorted looking face and you know, his relationship with Chunk and how they are both tied up and the whole thing with the baby Ruth. I mean, anytime I see a baby Ruth in a store or anything like that, you just can't help but think of that scene with those two. So I still got a kick out of that. I thought uh, all of that was funny and I, I just found myself smiling, just remembering those two together and him copying Chunk with the, hey, you guys at the end, you know, it's just fun kid stuff man I didn't play too much into this or try to overanalyze it or anything like that Uh, but when we get to the end I guess that's where the adult in me really uh, came through because oh my god that they resolve all of that in like two minutes and there was so much there like first of all Okay, you've got these escaped convicts um, and you find out that and these kids that have at least been missing for a day. Obviously, the cops were looking for them and everything like that. The parents were also searching for them and they're underground. So you're not going to find them. But I would just think that if you had these convicts escape. These kids come up missing. You just obviously think that the cops would have put two and two together on that. And we never got to see the parents worrying or anything like that. And that would have probably been another opportunity to develop the kids more. You could have had worried parents together talking about their kids and talking about things about their their kids and this this friendship and oh, you know, I, I just hope that they're together because if they're together, you know, that's 
how they shine, that they shine when they're together. You know, it would have maybe if you had some scenes like that, that would have also helped uh, the development of the kids. But we kind of just nixed the parents in this and they show up at the end. And then some of their reactions were weird. Like, hey, um, Chunk, you know, uh, Chunk's parents, I got this. I ordered this pizza and here you go. Here's a uh, pizza for you it, it was just kind of <laughs> weird that none, none of them were mad like none of them it would have been nice to have just seen one angry parent none of them were mad all of them just kind of were and I get it you're relieved you're happy to see your kid but you know it would have been nice if at least we would have got a you're gonna get it when we get home type of reaction I love you but yeah you're grounded when we get home something you know and again these are things that I just think if the movie was made today would have but uh you know this was made in the 80s so we didn't have it also those kids would have been rounded up for questioning there wouldn't have been no cops standing around with the criminals <laughs> and then them asking okay kids who are the bad guys and the kids are like no don't arrest sloth these are the bad guys them them get them and the cops are just like right. uh okay let's arrest them because the kids said it i was like what <laughs> was just I couldn't I just couldn't um the adult in me just could not handle all of that craziness that was happening at the end so that we could resolve it and it was like because we only gave two minutes to the resolution all of that had to fit in there and then on top of that guess who else is there the foreclosure people are there and he's like here chief stay here don't arrest these escaped criminals (laughs) you need to wait while we sign this foreclosure document so then they're going to sign this document and the chief is like sure because I don't have anything better to do with these escaped convicts that probably kidnapped these kids and instead of questioning the kids so that we can get the details of of what was possibly a kidnapping uh, crime let me just sit here and be a witness to the signing of this document then they're like no don't sign the document and you know I did like that there were rubies that there was some treasure left over and so that resolved the issue but my god how we got there was just just uh man that they, they, they tried to wrap that all up in minutes so we need happy parents yes the parents are relieved here's a pizza oh cops oh arrest them and not him okay awesome so sloth has a home now i guess without asking his parents you know chuck was just like we're gonna take care of you sloth and sloth was like right. all right cool <laughs> And also, though, the whole thing about the foreclosure and how, like, Mikey's like, oh, look, we do have rubies. It's great. You don't have to sign it. And the parents just like, oh, OK, cool. And he just tears it up right then. Like, no yeah. questioning anything that he's talking about. He's just exactly. like, OK, my kid says so. Cool. Like, yeah, what? no questions asked at well, all. It's, like, it's how do you even know that. that those rupees are any good or worth anything? You know, how do you know any of that? Or if they, that? It, how do you even know that it was even fake? You you don't know anything. So well, it's it's even worse than that because the the guy who I'm assuming is a banker because he's the one with the foreclosure. I mean, I know he's the richest guy in Astoria, but like I'm assuming he's the banker that holds the deed to the house. And if that's the day they're foreclosing on and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of these jewels, that's not actual currency. 
Right. You're not yeah. actually paying the guy anything. <laughs> yeah, you right. need to go get those appraised and sold to pay him his money. And guess what? That's past the deadline. Your house is still foreclosed, bro. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or he could have upped the price or he could have been like, well, now it's going to be twice what you was well, technically you're foreclosed. Well, well, he, they, I mean, yeah, you, you, at that point he could be like, well, it's foreclosed, but I'll give it back to you for twice the price. You are right on that. He can't up what is owed at that point because legally you can't, but you're right at that point. It is foreclosed. He owns it. Yeah. He can go, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. This is your house. I'll sell it to you back for twice as much as it's even worth. Not what you even owe, what it's worth. You know what I mean? And you got to hope that you've got what, I don't know. They had like 12 jewels. You got to hope that's enough in general to cover all that. It's 12 jewels. It was, it wasn't that much because all the actual treasure is just floating somewhere in the Pacific ocean now on a fucking tr- like pirate <laughs> ship. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, my goodness, man. And I think that was, th- that's the biggest problem I had with this film. It wasn't the map. It wasn't Mr. Copperpot under the rock. It wasn't even the booby traps or how one eyed Wheelie constructed this thing to go off so that his ship could sail out to sea, which I get. Okay. I get it. Like, he set this up so elaborately that, that nobody could get his treasure that there was a way when he died, there was a way that ship would sell off so nobody could get his treasure. Okay, I get what they were going for. But but and even although there are hella problems with just how he possibly engineered all of that and to for that whole reaction to happen. But dude, I accepted all of that before I accepted that two minute ending where no one, not the cops, not anybody is asking any questions about anything so that we could just resolve it. It was too fast and it was just, it was so illogical that it just completely took me out of the movie. Like that was just, it was too much. It, it was too much illogical things all at once. I was like, wait, the cop wouldn't do that. Wait, you have a pizza. Wait, no, you don't know if those rubies are, well, you don't know what they're worth. Wait, you're tearing up the paper. Wait, why? What? What? It was just one thing after another. Nothing got a chance to breathe. Uh, And so I was so like dumbfounded by all of that. Uh, Now the ship coming out at the end and everybody going, oh, damn. I thought that was a good ending. I liked that. How the, the ship comes out and you get that last shot of one-eyed Willie's ship just sailing out to sea. Nobody's, you know, sailing out to sea. That's the last thing you see. I I thought that that was a cool ending to the film, but I think what overshadowed that was just all of that shit that happens before that. So the effectiveness of that, I thought, was taken away because you had to have all of these resolution pieces right there at the end, and you got no time to let those things breathe or anything like that so yeah that that ending i I just had a ton of trouble with that ending and how everything just wrapped up nonsensical at the end of that (laughs) i do like how justin you're talking about how you accept all the other bullshit in this movie but then you go and you've said it several times with emphasis that the domino's pizza bothers you so much 
It does, dude. It did. And just of all pizza, the things, man. you accept everything else, and then you're just like, but they have fucking Domino's at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I mean, don't get me because wrong. I think that's great. But I just and think it was, it's funny that that's like the straw that broke the camel's back is all this bullshit in this movie. And then you're like, and then there was Domino's. I'm telling you, man, as Cinefans, I love me some Domino's. That's like my favorite pizza chain right now. I love me some Domino's. I'll do that $5.99. Get me two for $5.99 each in a heartbeat. But I mean... But come on, man. I mean, and it was fresh. That was hot, fresh pizza. So did we stop before we went to the criminals and the kids? Did we stop and order that and wait and then get in the van with the cops? Well, what, we Domino's must have. Is open? what Domino's is open that early? <laughs> right. That's what I want to know. Eight but in the morning. I just personally, my logic behind why that doesn't bother me per se is that I would just assume that that family owns Domino's. Like they own the local Domino's. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Justin is so family. bothered by well, it. See, and I see. So what I like to think is that just every like thirty minutes that night, while they were waiting for Chunk to come back, they were just make a new pizza, and then make a new pizza, and yeah. then somehow they go. They get the call that they found Chunk on the beach, and they went get that pizza out the oven. This is the one we're taking, and they just have this stack. <laughs> Of uneaten I could pizzas. accept that. <laughs> that's 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 my logical thought behind it, and that's why that scene works for me. Nothing else in this movie <laughs> does, but I accept the eight thirty in the morning Domino's. Man, I mean, I need to try that. Try to eat Domino's at eight thirty in the morning and see if I like that. I wonder. Maybe the time. Hey, do you, makes do you it not taste eat cold pizza? Do you not eat cold pizza? I, but never at eight thirty on the dot. I'm going to do it at eight thirty. <laughs> All right, and it's got to be hot and fresh. All right, all right. You want a life hack for you? Get yourself an air fryer, because reheating pizza. I don't Sucks. like reheated pizza. Like I don't microwave or in the oven. If I eat pizza and it's leftovers, it's always cold. But get yourself an air fryer because you can get that cheese bubbly again. You can get that crust warm and crisp. Air fryer is the only acceptable way to reheat pizza. Just that's a little life hack tip <laughs> nice. for you. But the other thing I want to know is like you accept all this other shit. But if the logic behind everything is that one eyed Willie was also, was he just born without that eye? Because why the fuck would the skeleton have it like that? That thing shut. There was bone there. Yeah, there was was bone bone. there. (laughs) Why would you wear an eye patch at that point? That defeats the purpose of the eye patch. So I have major problems with one eyed Willie, but my other problem with it is if he was so greedy that he killed all of his crew to not lose an ounce of his treasure, why the fuck did he make a map to get there? Why would you even do that? Right. Yeah. If you're just going to kill everybody that even knows where your treasure is and then just let yourself die there, why make the map? He's just a murderer at heart, I guess. I mean, it's just, it's weird. I don't understand it. Yeah. I'm not sure. Did, who made, wait, did he make, did he make the map or did they cobble? Nah, he made the map no. because it was from 1636 or whatever, 1638 or 83 or whatever the fuck the date was. That's the date of the map. Uh, that's right. That's right. So it would have had to have been him. And yeah, that's right. The cobblestone or whatever his name got it. 
and yeah, Coldstone Creamery first. was already dead. Yeah, Cobblestone or whatever his name is, Cobblepot. That's no, that's the pink one. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, and they didn't explain that either. Like, why was there a map? But there's always a map. Yeah, but that's I what mean, I'm saying. If, if the whole if the story goes, he's so greedy he killed his crew, which we saw evidence of. We did. I'm just saying, why would you even make a map? And build and essentially build a tunnel to you. Like he built the tunnel. Granted, he put traps in there, but built a tunnel to it. That tunnel is not a naturally formed tunnel. Like it's not like it's like, oh, the Astoria tunnels. The only natural tunnels out there. No, no, no. This was a man made tunnel. Why would you even build all that? Yeah. If you don't want anybody getting your treasure. Yeah, you have a good point. Um and and again, this is just something where I feel like if it was made today, you would have had something in there. Maybe something like, you know, after living there by himself with his treasure, he just kind of realized as on, you know, death's bed, maybe he, he was like, damn, dude, you know, how am I going to be remembered? Will I ever be remembered? I'm just going to be down here with this money. And maybe like if he had wanted somebody to find it, wanted somebody to know that, yeah, you know, that he died rich and with all this treasure and nobody took it from him. You know, if there had been something just like that, you know, I love your logic of that. He had been sitting there by himself, lonely with the dead crew around me and goes, you know what? I'm going to build this elaborate tunnel by myself so someone can come get my treasure. Yeah. How the fuck would he build that by himself? (laughs) But then I like the other part of your logic of on his deathbed. So he is on his deathbed and goes, I'm going to build this tunnel (laughs) by myself. Flawless. No, I thought the traps were already built. Like he built, they built the, he built the traps with the help of the crew. Yeah. Then they got there. But that's still building the tunnel. Like, why would you even do that? I, I just don't even understand why you go through the act of building the tunnel. If you're so greedy, you want to kill anybody that comes near your treasure anyway. If he's already that greedy, he might not have contemplated killing his crew yet. But if he's that greedy, why would he build the tunnel anyway? No, I get that. Like, why did they have to be there? Like, why? Why wasn't he just on the run or sailing out to sea? I mean, I just think it'd be better if there wasn't a map. I understand what you're saying. The other has to be a map. I just think it'd be better if they found like a book and it was all these people like it was like a collection of notes and like of people trying to find the treasure and they just used all these other people's failings to find where it actually was like that type of situation. I think that that's how they would do it now if they made it. I think also if they made it now, you would get those scenes of Chunk's family making half-hour pizzas at the Domino's they own. <laughs> yeah, while they while they talk about uh, why their kids are so special, or Cobblepot, the penguin. You could have just had Cobblepot could have been the one that made the map. Maybe he had, yeah, but if he made family map- members who were ancestors of One-Eyed Willie or something, and so he had you know so he 
you know, had this theory and he had a theory and um and a map and he believed that there was this treasure and maybe it was one of those things people thought he was crazy, nobody believed him, so he was like, I'm going to find it myself and he never came back. And people just were like, Eh, well, screw him anyway, he was crazy. You know, he just had all these crazy theories. And so then they find him and it's like, ah, you know, he wasn't crazy. You know, he was onto something. His, there was this family treasure from his ancestors, something like that could have also worked. And it would have been simple. You already have that character in the narrative and it would have explained why there would have been a map. The Even though the treasure is from the 1600s or whatever, the map could have been something more recent that nobody, that everybody just thought was just a bunch of hocus pocus that this guy came up with. And I the can, kids, I, you know, discovered yeah. for real. I completely understand what you're saying, Justin, but this is also the problem I have with these like treasure map movies or even TV episodes that do the same thing. If this cobble pot guy makes the map, but then dies while trying to find the treasure, like, you know, he researches and he comes up with the map he believes would take him there and he dies with it. Like, like trying to find this treasure. How does his map get out of the tunnel to the people? Well, there'd have to be a copy of it somewhere or some family member who's alive or somebody that kept the last remnants of him stuff and they could have found it and deduced, oh, look, here's where he originally wrote it. You know, there there would have had to have been a copy somehow. That See, and I, I get that. It's just I have huge problems with like the the sheer amount of coincidence or like like people like drawing hand drawing copies of the same thing. I mean, I get what you're saying and that's exactly what they would do in a movie of this situation. It's just things like that is what drives me nuts. It's like, there's always an extra copy of something, you know? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I just don't like the Goonies. Okay. That's what boils down <laughs> to the whole movie I, to me your domino's pizza issue is my issue with the whole movie like <laughs> <laughs> like i like i understand that that's the logical fallacy that broke you it's just i got broke like in the first like 5 minutes of the movie and so i just don't accept anything for the whole movie <laughs> and i'm just like miserable and by the time it gets to the domino's pizza thing I am so beaten down by the illogical <laughs> bullshit of this movie that I 100 per ex, like percent accept 8:30 a.m. fresh dominoes. I don't accept anything else <laughs> in this movie, but at that point, I'm like, no, nah, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it it's like just, the opposite for Justin. Yeah, it was just too fresh, man. Like, I mean, it, it was it was fresh. <laughs> Like so some of my, like that. some of my grandparents would say, "Frush." They used to say, "Frush." You know, it was fresh. <laughs> like you could, so, you could just, uh, you could see the the the, the, the heat, steam the coming steam. from it, the heat coming from it. <laughs> and I was just like, "Come on, dude! Like, did you guys stop?" But I mean, hell, this cop was letting everybody tell him what to do. So I'm sure they just said, "Cop, open up this." dominoes or so we could get this pizza real quick for my son and he probably would have just pulled over and done it <laughs> we'll see all right i have a question for you guys and this might seem <laughs> weird how did your grandparents say the word pizza um as far as i remember just pizza i don't know why 
I had some, I want to say, was it an uncle? I, I had an uncle that would say pizza. He would say it weird. See, my, and this is why I ask because my grandmother was the same way. She said pizza. Yeah. Be, like the yeah. leaning tower of pizza. Yeah. Because to yeah. her, the leaning tower of pizza was spelled the exact same as pizza and pizza or not, not pizza. I, I did the same thing, kind of, but like pizza. And so pizza came from pizza where the leaning tower is because the words are alike. So it was pizza. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I do understand the whole idea of like, why is it not pronounced pizza? Because it's two Z's and it's like a T sound we make with pizza. Yeah. But, I understand yeah. like looking at how it's spelled and not getting how it's said. I get that. Yeah. Because like you said, it should be pizza, you know, or something like that. It should be a za sound, but it's pizza. But it was pizza. Like P-E-A-S-S-A is essentially how my grandmother would say pizza. Yeah. Like, honestly, it sounds more like, do you want a pizza of pizza? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we were just saying pizza a lot, and it just made me think of the way my grandmother said it. That's the only reason why I asked. Just made me yeah. curious. No, I I had an uncle who would pizza it. And like you said, I think a part of that is, is they're just saying it how it reads. Because, yeah, like you said, when you read it, it reads yeah. pizza. It does. But, you know, that's just our English language and just some of the stupidity of it. PH when we could just use an F or, you know, I, there are just a lot of rules with the English language that I think are kind of dumb. But we'll see. Now it just makes it sound like my grandmother doesn't know the difference between a Z and an S. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She's not even saying it how it's spelled. I I'll be that. honest. Like She's long dead. Only, it's fine. The only thing I think about now whenever we all talk about pizza is Jason's marshmallow pizza story. <laughs> That's the only thing <laughs> I ever think of now when we talk oh, about gosh. pizza. <laughs> Oh, man. You'd eat all that marshmallow pizza. That was a great one. Speaking of nostalgia, yeah, if you haven't seen our, listen to our nostalgia episode, go listen to that. It's a hoot. You'll get the pizza story. I'm not going to tell it again. Marshmallow pizza. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, you got to go episode. look for it, guys. Yeah. You got to see. I don't, I don't think that's pizza. I think that right there is pizza. That's pizza. <laughs> that's pizza. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, also like the thing that drove me, like I know when you guys were talking about how much you like love chunk and all this other stuff, I hated chunk. And the reason being is because like when there's gun, when he finds the car with the gunshots and whenever he like sees them like carrying the stuff and he's like freaking out and he's trying to tell him they can tell him to shut up or, or he, and he can't form words then, you know what I mean? Like right when they're walking into the restaurant, he's trying to get them to not go in and like. He just, the words can't come to him. He's like, no, I have to like not say the words because like there's dangerous people in there. Like then he has like a sense of fear. So he doesn't say anything, but when they're all huddled in the basement and the people that they now know, uh, I guess they don't now know. I don't, I'm trying to think of it, but like, like these people, these criminals, these known criminals now at this point are upstairs. And the fact that they have a pizza, he can't shut up. Like, I get that they were trying to make that part of his character trait, but, like, I just found it weird that at one point he can be so scared he can't talk or he understands to not, like, cause, like, yell or anything like that because there is danger. But then at that point, he's just like, 
They have pizza, pepperonis. Oh my God. You know what I mean? That drives me nuts. I hate those type of characters. <laughs> and like, yeah. also like what kid doesn't know if you break something that that's a bad thing in general, just if you break something, especially that is someone else's that that's bad. Why the fuck doesn't chunk understand that he breaks that statue of day or of Michael or is it David who I don't know the, he breaks the dick off and he's just like, I don't understand the big deal. And then like later breaks that fucking water jug and shit. And he's like, Oh no, I hope it's not a rental. But like, it's just so weird to see a child not understanding that breaking things is bad because what's one of the first things you learn as a kid. If you break something, you hide that you broke it. Like we all know that yet he's like nine and doesn't understand breaking shit is a bad thing when it's not yours. It just does not compute in his head. I just find it weird. And another thing with him back to the fat shaming that Heather is talking about. Yeah, that is uncomfortable now. And when you go back and watch this old stuff, you know, kind of like in America's Sweethearts, where look at Julia Roberts when she was fat, look at her eating all the time. Now, that stuff now just does make you uncomfortable like just the whole hey he's fat so watch him trip around or look he's funny look at him lift up his shirt and jiggle himself isn't that funny oh uh you know people are gonna make fun of him or look at him he wants to eat all the time he can smell ice cream in the refrigerator and he likes it so much and knows all the flavors because you know, or when the guy was eating ice cream and he's talking to him and he tries to eat it and the guy takes it away and he goes, oh, and gets sad because he didn't get the ice cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when you see that stuff now, it is uncomfortable. And you just think about like how far we've come with that. Like now, you know, a lot of times fat shame, it is called out when you see it, but man, that has just been one of those longstanding film traditions that just has lasted so long, you know, and I'm glad to see that that is, I don't think it's completely gone, but I am glad to see that making its way out of movies more, Because you just don't, it's not as, I don't see it as egregiously done now as it was then, where it's just, look at him, he's fatty, look at him, he eats all the time. I mean, they just, and yeah, just like that, and even at the end, with the pizza, back to that, she, everybody (laughs) else is hugging and stuff, and he's got to be brought a pizza, you know? Like, it's just... (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, it just feels like Hollywood still doesn't know how to address or place people that are not super thin because yeah. now it might not yeah. be the, oh, that's the one you make fun of, but it'll be the, this has to be the comic relief person because they're fat or whatever. Yeah. So it's just kind of like they still don't really place it, They can't place somebody who's overweight or not super thin as just a normal person in the story. Like you just don't really ever see that. So it just feel like they don't, they don't know how to place somebody who doesn't look like the standard quote unquote of what you think, a, you know, good looking or whatever normal person would look like, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's almost like they want to like make up for the whole fat shaming part of what the eighties did a lot of by making it, Oh, they'll be a main character, but they're going to be the comic relief all the time or whatever. It's like, they're just never a normal 
character or like a main love interest. So it's interesting. Yeah. Or their arc. Usually, if you think about it, their arc is usually something superficial. Oh, the fat girl can actually get all the guys or it's like, you know what I mean? It's, you know, or they do something unexpected. That's a surprise to everybody else because it's a fat character or they do something athletic and everybody's like, oh, uh, they actually did that. Or everybody's running and then the big everybody's surprised that the big person and beats everybody there or something you know like sometimes even in those movies like that you're right like they may not fat shame but the person's arc is dumb or it's like their arc is oh look they can surprisingly do this thing that normal people can do and that's still insulting when you see it it is it's why well, I love Lizzo so much because she breaks all of that. It's great. And but but at the same time, I mean, that is the problem with anything that is just not in all in all honesty, like an atypical white male character. You're so yeah. right about that. I mean, it's 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 a very recent thing to where it's just not like, you know, just having the black, the token black front or the token, just any minority group front. You know, yeah. even women in movies, like when it's like, oh, girls night or something. And I'm not saying the movie girls night or anything like that, but I'm just saying a girls night movie. It's still just nothing but stereotypes. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. You know, they just, they have a hard time writing, you know, a lot of the stuff. And well, granted now that is changing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that is just not even just strictly to like, you know, like, oh, where the character used to be fat shamed. And now they're just like, oh, they've transitioned to the, to the comic relief that's still just a problem with any minority group whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Like, you're right. I mean, one of my biggest complaints about the show Riverdale now is that like, at first it was like, cool that like, Oh, they, they had like a gay character, but it so quickly became tokenism with that. Like, Oh, this is the token gay character. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they go through these weird things instead of them actually just having, normal relationships with people or anything like that, they tokenize it and it just becomes so fucking weird at this point. Like just the idea that you could have a gay character, just be a normal character who happens to be gay just escapes them. And it's crazy because Mm like I, and well, at least I think it's crazy because the showrunner and you know, for that show is a gay man himself. And he still writes the same tropes as that. And it's just one of those things though, that if you go back in time though, and look at this, some of the stuff like that happens to just all kinds of ethnic groups or anything like that, whenever they're writing stories that even like be for themselves, they placate to essentially the like old ass white men that are the ones that have the control over whether or not their show or movie gets made. So if they don't write their, the characters even that they identify with, as these specific roles that Hollywood or these executives thinks they, sh- they should fit, then they, they, they feel like their, their script or whatever is not going to be taken seriously and they don't have a shot. So they tokenize everything. And it's just incredibly weird to see at this point, like even going back in time, like we've talked about very much lately because we have done some older movies and stuff like that. Now that it is like how some weird it is like seeing the changes in like humor dynamics and racial dynamics and all these things throughout like the last 40 years, essentially, because I think the oldest movie we've done, I think is from 1982. 
so far and yeah just seeing the change so that's i mean let's just give or take 40 years you know because you got to think about when the movie was written and the made and all this other stuff before it was released so just over the last 40 years we've even then seen a drastic shift in what's acceptable and what's not i mean fuck we've seen that just within the last 10 years seen a big shift in that you know so it really is kind of crazy like how just how and how that's changed our viewing patterns and or what we like or what bothers us now about going back and looking at older movies versus what it would have 10 years ago i mean in a lot of these things i'd I'd argue five years ago i think there are things they were doing in movies five years ago that they wouldn't be caught dead doing now in some of these bigger movies yeah well leave it to goonies to get us into the social dynamics of tokenism and minority groups in movies <laughs> i know see that damn pizza it's all about that damn dominoes see and that is kind of back to what you were talking about with the whole fat shaming thing he's the one that gets the hot and fresh 830 dominoes yeah also another life hack if you like baby roots you should instead try a chocolatey payday I mean, they're both the same thing because a payday is traditionally a baby Ruth without the chocolate, but now they have chocolate covered paydays. I argue it's a superior product because the, the caramel in a baby Ruth is a very sticky caramel, whereas in the caramel in a payday is a lot of a softer caramel. Doesn't stick mm. to your teeth. It's a much more enjoyable candy bar. Nice. See, I would, I would, I would be down for that because I don't like stuff where there's just caramel and nuts or just caramel and no. I like, I need to have some chocolate with the caramel. You know. I'm, I'm, I think that's me. So like Snickers, love them, but yeah, it, it, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of uh, Baby Ruth, but Payday sounds right up my alley. But yeah, yeah. chocolatey Payday. Um, yeah. because it's, and I don't know if you've ever had them, Justin, but have you ever had a junior caramel? Uh, uh-uh. okay. So, I mean, it's the same company that makes junior mints, but instead of mint, it's caramels. So essentially <laughs> they're a different version of a milk dud, right? Okay. I love milk duds, but milk duds, that's a very sticky caramel. You eat like two milk duds and your mouth is like cake shut from caramel. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a junior caramel, very soft, no stickage. You just get all the caramel and chocolatey flavor. That's the best con. Exactly. Junior caramels are the superior product. They are almost impossible to find now because they lost. They lost to Milk Duds. I think it's just because Milk Dud had the more like catchy name and it comes in the catchy package. You know, junior caramels look just like junior mints, except instead of being green, they're tan or it's like a brownish, like a golden brown, you know, a caramel color, but Yes, and it, and the chocolatey payday is very much the same way. Baby Ruth's very sticky caramel. Paydays, the chocolatey paydays, very soft. So you get all the same flavor and everything, but your mouth can operate, and it's nice. Man, that sounds good. Now I want candy. See what they done to me? I want candy now, and then at 8.30, I need a Domino's pizza. See what this has done to me? <laughs> hey, just bringing out your inner, inner goonie. And I don't want to be shamed about any of it. So there you go. Dude, no one's fucking shaming you, dude. I'm the one that's brought up all this shit. (laughs) I'm not sitting here like, you know, knowing what a fucking chocolatey, you know, payday tastes like because I haven't eaten one. No, I've eaten the (laughs) fuck out those. (laughs) I've got a problem every time I'm at a gas station and they have those in the front. 
I fucking buy one. It's a problem. It really is. <laughs> I get that, man. Sometimes I just, if I see a snake, man, it's, it's really hard to ever turn. And especially now, cause it's, it's cause we're going into Halloween. So everybody has candy. Oh man. It's really hard around this time. Be, be careful, Justin. Your little sensitive stomach can't handle that much sugar, bro. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. You know I'm tough. I was so tough when I when we came to Chicago. I, I, t- I took everything. <laughs> you really just... You, you took everything. <laughs> you, you got rid of it, too. <laughs> I mean... It was my passion, man. I sacrificed myself. The passion of the Jaston. That's what it was. <laughs> you just really... It was a completely different ball game of food that you normally eat just all in three days' time. It was crazy. I mean, I heard of that, that, that being able to happen to you, but man, I just didn't realize, I mean, you know, I hear about that happening to people, you know, when you drastically change your diet, you just get really sick. But God, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I was barely alive. And meanwhile, <laughs> we remember five bagels over here. And then me. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, don't hate it. Cause you can't hang bro. One day I I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the five bagels. And I just couldn't do it. I walked up to them. There was there were so many different options and some of them looked tasty. And I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't even imagine eating five of those and not dying. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> Justin, all you have to do. I, like, I just I just think it's funny. Essentially, one week of my diet almost killed you. <laughs> I can eat the bullshit you eat just fine. I don't want to because I have standards. <laughs> One week of eating like me almost like made you sick, bro. Man. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, I know, I know I'm not in good shape. I know that. And part of it's because I eat like that all the fucking time. But I'm a champ at it. <laughs> I got so sick. Oh. Set of fans. Oh, I got so sick. <laughs> That's so weird. I should be able to, man, but I feel like, man, I should be able. I mean, I work out. I should be able to handle it. I mean, I should have just been able to handle You're it. You're just too healthy, Justin. You're too healthy. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's what got you. I thought muscles yeah, make you, you, you tough. It's a, you it's healthy people to. can't fucking, you know, you can't hang with those unhealthy motherfuckers. <laughs> and and you're not even as unhealthy as me. That's the funny thing. Like I'm drinking the whole time too, and I'm smoking and I'm doing all these other terrible things to my fucking body, not working out. And you're sitting there being all straight edge and fucking working out and all this other still shit. Working out and every you day. Still can't do it. <laughs> Man, I'm doing the wrong kind of training. There, there's got to be a way. That I could withstand your diet. There's got to be. Yeah, a you gotta, you gotta eat like me, motherfucker. I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's Get what on you those doing. five bagels. I mean, I wasn't even there a week. I mean, I couldn't handle a. a, a Literally, a few. it was three days or four <laughs> yeah, days. Three days. I couldn't handle a weekend. I mean, damn. <laughs> that's all you gotta do, bro. You just gotta. You can still do all your working out and all this other shit. You don't have to smoke. You don't have to drink none of that. You just got to eat like me for like a month straight. And then you might be able to hang with me. 
But that's the thing is you couldn't even do it a month straight because you get like four days in and get sick again. You I know, think it's. Uh, I need to get back to my salmon <laughs> and brown rice. <laughs> yeah. I think part of it too is probably like it doesn't seem like you take a lot of like just vacation time. And people on vacations love to just eat whatever. And yeah. if you don't go on vacation a lot, you don't do that often either. So it means you need more vacation and you need more bagels in your life. That's all it is. Yes. We'll see. That's that's also what's funny about it is Justin's vacation eating splurging is still just my normal shit. <laughs> I know. A splurge for me is just a Tuesday for him. <laughs> Yeah, your cheat days are my regular fucking days. <laughs> and really, it's not even really that because even when I cheat, like, like I'll have that one meal and then I'm like, man, well, you know, maybe I can, maybe that's the only meal I'll eat today or maybe I can uh, have um, just a little bit, you know, maybe I'll just drink something and I won't eat anything else. Like I feel so guilty afterwards and you're just like, eh, I'll just eat. But the opposite <laughs> for me though, is that I can go a long time without eating. Now I can go almost a whole day without eating, have done it. Uh, I tried last week. I was like, let me just see if I can just not eat. And I didn't. <laughs> the whole day. I bet you can't do that. Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, I mean, there are days that like, sometimes I'm, I'm like, there are entire weeks where like the only meal I'm eating on a daily basis is dinner. Hmm. Okay. I mean, my dinner on the other hand is vastly more substantial than yours <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, Oh, I didn't eat today. I'll have four cheeseburgers and some fries. <laughs> God. <laughs> No, I'm, just talk, I'm talking about just regular, just regular little hamburgers, not like from okay. McDonald's. Like maybe like Junior like, Bacon's or like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like yeah. just the single cheeseburger from McDonald's. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I've not, done that crazy. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought I, I was thinking of, I was thinking quarter pounders. No, uh, I'm not, not eating. All right. I could probably throw waffles. I could probably throw two or three of those down, but like, no, I'll just get like four cheeseburgers and a large fries, you know? Uh, Okay, I, I think I've done that before, like four burgers. I could do that. Yeah, it's maybe, not like maybe. I said, it's not crazy burgers. It's just it's essentially the equivalent of two almost because they're like pretty tiny. And if yeah, it's, it's your it's only still, meal, it's a lot of bread. It's a lot of bread, though, too. True. Yeah. When you do it like that. And for that to be your only meal, that that's doable. You know, that's the only meal of the day. That's doable. That's that's doable. I mean, I, I used to eat two double quarter pounders a day, like at a meal. I can do that still, too. It's more meat. It's easier that way. God, they're so good, though. Oh, a double quarter. Mm. <laughs> See, I don't I, I, I prefer I prefer the McDonald's cheeseburgers to like the double like the quarter pounders and doubles. I just really like the simplicity of the cheeseburger. I get just a normal cheeseburger, no ketchup. So it's it's just meat, cheese. Pickles, onions, and mustard. To me, that's like a perfect burger right there. Very mm. simple. I feel you on that. I feel you. Are you a Big Mac person? I've never been a Big Mac person. I, I don't Oh, ever I'll throw order down it. on a Big Mac every once in a while. You yeah, will? hell yeah, I'll eat a Big Mac every once in a while. Just every once in a while, I'm just like, oh, fucking Big Mac sounds perfect. And then I get like one of those and like 10 chicken nuggets. 
I think it's that third piece of bread. I think it it just it was always weird to me. I don't like it. It just looks weird. So I just was always like, eh, I just want the two breads. I was a weird See, kid, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. At this point, I, I was feel intimidated kind of by that anybody. third piece. I feel I feel kind of bad for anybody listening to this episode because it starts with four minutes of football, then it goes into the typical song thing, and then we go to Goonies, and now it's just talking about what the fuck we eat. <laughs> we have gotten off the rails when it comes to this Goonies. We really have. So I'm going to end this episode now. Thank you guys for listening to the Sim Slayers podcast. Check us out at www.simmaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. And I'm sorry if I offend you for not liking Goonies. I don't like it, though. And uh, according to Justin, Moon Knight's the best picture winner. So now we know the absolute worst thing about the Goonies is Chunk's favorite damn Domino's pizza. It ruined everything, including how we finished this episode. Except I liked that. I was fine with that. That was the one logical point I was okay with.